Welcome once again, Bears fans, to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're two jamokes who bone up during the offseason so we can cheese huge during the regular season. And we got some cheesing to do. Yeah, that was something. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore scat. And obviously, the Bears won on Sunday. <laughs> they shocked the world. I don't know if any of it really is predictive. I don't know what you can really reasonably take away because of the weather and because of everything else that was going on. But hey, 1-0 is a lot better than 0-1. So right, right. That's the only place to start is breaking down that game, and I know we each have some nuggets that we wrote down that we wanted to comment on, so I guess I'll turn it back over to you to, to start that. Well, so briefly I wanted to touch on, they, they do um, this uh, thing on ESPN, uh, not our overreaction and overreaction, and, you know, of course the Bears were in there, you know, that, you know, maybe this is an overreaction. I, I would I would kind of agree with that, not necessarily for the reasons that they put up, but I, I, I think we got to we, we just enjoy the win for the win. You know, yeah. I, we don't need to look. It, we don't need to delve deep into uh, the real specifics of how we got the win. We know that San Francisco is a better team than Chicago. We're we're we're, we're all rubes here. But we're not stupid. So, but at the same time, there's a lot to cheer for. And so I made so I jotted down some things. Jim jotted down some things that we think should be recognized. Well, and can I just make one point on that? Go ahead. On? So, like you said, I mean, there's a whole term for this. It's the week one overreaction. It's <laughs> a, a well a well known phrase specifically in the gambling community because typically week one performances are not necessarily a strong indication of what a team will do during the year. Yeah. You know, bad teams sometimes outperform in week one. Good teams sometimes don't show up in week one. There's a variety of reasons for both of those things. Sure. And just if you look at the data of historic NFL seasons, oftentimes it's not necessarily predictive. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's nothing to take away, and it also doesn't mean that we can't overreact. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's part of the fun of the NFL season is let's let's get some hot takes out there now on the Bears. I've got a couple that we'll hit on later in this episode, but yeah, absolutely, that's, that's part of the fun of it. We're not we're not solving the world's problems here. Let's have a good time with the fact that the Bears won. That's right, and it, it, after all, it still is a W versus an L. If you want to get that basic about it, so here's some notes that I put down, and the first one. Jalen Johnson with the peanut punch. Yeah. I mean, it was just cool to see that exact play happen. Um, you know, the uh, Tillman has made uh, actually gone and talked to the team about that. Um, Jalen Johnson, wow. I was really impressed with him yesterday. Very good game. Yeah, and the thing that I loved about that play is that it's not like Jalen Johnson was going to make the tackle. Like he was, yeah. he, he was blocked up, and he wasn't going to get to Debo Samuel to bring him down. But he had the presence of mind and the awareness to take a swipe at the ball, and he connected and he knocked it out. And that's a huge play in the game because if the 49ers continue that drive, they're probably going to score. They right. were moving down the field on the Bears really easily, and just that kind of extra effort, that extra awareness, just. Being all in 100%, that's the kind of play that we weren't seeing a lot last year, especially yeah. on defense. I mean, 
how many times did we have to have a conversation about a player that had a lapse in concentration or <laughs> wasn't where he was supposed to be or maybe just Too many. whiffed on a tackle? So I, I think that play was a perfect example of what Matt Eberflus wants, and it's the same thing that Lovey Smith always demanded from his defenses, which is no matter what you're doing, even if you can't necessarily make the play, try to get the ball, try to get your hand in there, try to get that ball on the ground. And so props to Jalen Johnson for doing that. That was a great play. Also on that play, the player that actually came in on the, to make the hit and really knocked the ball out and also recovered. It was Brisker who right. had a, had a really good game too, that I want to talk about. But yeah, really, really nice job by Jalen Johnson there. And it was a huge laser play, punch, huge play in the game. And yes. You know, if the 49ers go down and score a touchdown on that opening drive, potentially the Bears' victory never happens. Yes. And, you know, so I also threw a few in here that are not necessarily flowers. So, Jim, Fields pick into the crowd. (laughs) Wait, sorry. This is the... (laughs) So when Fields, I mean, Fields definitely threw it into a crowd. Oh, sorry, the interception. Yeah, the interception. He threw it into a crowd. I thought you were talking about the picture that that's gone viral. Oh, <laughs> no, that one. That's awesome. That that's, was great. That that's the uh, the sliding in the rain picture. But um, no, the uh, Fields pick into the crowd. He 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 did. He he was aiming for Mooney. Yeah. Uh, Mooney is there. Uh, maybe threw the ball a little short. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it wasn't a good throw. He just didn't see the safety there, and, you know, that's a learning experience. In, in general, with Fields, he had some great plays, but I thought the ball was also in harm's way a little bit too much for my liking. Yes. There were still times when he was holding onto the ball too long, which is something that I had hoped to see a little bit less of this year. And this was a weird game, obviously. He was going against a really good defense. The weather was terrible, so... I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, and by the way, he's also still learning the new scheme, and I think right. for all intents and purposes, still basically a rookie. So, you know, there's definitely learning moments, but yeah, the interception was a bad one, and it actually wasn't even his worst pass of the day. He he had that awful screen pass to <laughs> David Montgomery. I think it might have yeah. been the first play of the game where he just floated it up there for way too long, and not only could it have and probably should have easily been a pick six for the 49ers, but... Even if it landed, he could have gotten his running back killed. So right, right. You, you, you want to see less of that. He had another one in the second half that should have been picked off by former Bear great Tashawn Gibson. <laughs> uh, so the ball was in harm's way too many times. I guess, what did you think of Fields' performance in general? So overall, I thought it was decent. Now, like last year, um, if you look at the number, if you look purely at the numbers, which I am the numbers guy, I love the numbers. Um, it doesn't look very good. It's pretty ugly, just like last season's numbers were pretty ugly. Uh, but I think, you know, the one thing about watching him though is that. He is undisputed when he is out there. Mm-hmm. He is the leader. There is no question about who's running things. And his athletic ability, and you and I have said this over and over again for people that try to somehow compare him to any other Bears quarterback in history, mm-hmm. his athletic ability is on a level we have never seen before. I mean, it really is. How he doesn't absolutely get crushed when they're running to him unabated and he still is able to dodge that is 
it's just a perfect example. He's very elusive, and certainly we've seen plenty of examples of, like you just said, a player basically running free or beating his blocker, and Fields is able to get out of that without taking a shot, which is great. Obviously, the idea is that as the offensive line improves, he has to do that less and less. Um, but I think in terms of this this last game specifically, his best moments were when he got out of the pocket or yeah. when he was scrambling or when the play broke down. There was that long touchdown to Pettis, which was awesome, but it was kind of on a broken play. And it was really great that he was able to keep his eyes downfield and find the open wide receiver. I don't necessarily think he does that last year. Remember the famous play where he had Allen Robinson wide open last year and he never saw him. And basically after the game, he said, well, my eyes aren't supposed to go there. And you know, that might be how the play's designed. But when you're yeah. talking about the, the great quarterbacks, the Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, those guys, they just have a way of finding those guys. So Like he did. And that was great. And it was. I mean, he found him. He, he got chased out of the pocket, found him all the way across the field, completely wide open by himself. How long have we been waiting to see that? Yeah, I mean, we've never really seen that with the Bears, right? I mean, that, that's the thing, is there were a lot of moments in the game where he looked like one of those elite guys where he's switching up arm angles or just finding a way to get the ball to a back or to a receiver when it seems like there's absolutely no chance of keeping the play alive. That's great, and the fact that he can do those things is really encouraging because the great quarterbacks in the NFL do those things. The things that I hope to see some improvement on are when the play doesn't break down and when he's in the pocket and when he's just reading the defense and trying to get the ball out on schedule because those are the plays where he was putting the ball in harm's way and I just still haven't seen an ability from him to do that on a consistent basis when you watch the game and the blocking's good and it just feels like the team is methodically moving the ball down the field. We just haven't necessarily seen that from Fields yet. Doesn't mean we won't. Doesn't mean he can't do that. But just another game where I just didn't see enough of that. And to answer my own question, I think that's just the reason why he... I I thought he had maybe a decent to below average game. The exciting plays were there, but the routine quarterbacking, the routine just keeping the offense on schedule and just moving the ball down the field, that's just another thing we haven't seen yet. Maybe it'll come. 49ers are a really good defense. The weather was terrible, but just another thing that, another game, I guess, that has gone by that we haven't necessarily seen that level of precision from him. That's, okay. yeah, I, and I can see that. At the same time, he also did throw touchdowns to Dante Pettis and Equinemius St. Brown. So <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people that um, would have that you could have taken bets with that would have said that's impossible that happens <laughs> in week one yeah, versus the San Francisco 49ers. No way that happens. Yeah. Uh, so, it, but it did. Yeah, it did. You know, and and because Pettis is not a threat, he was open for a 51-yard touchdown. By the way, uh, a shout-out to erroneous St. Brown for a great route run and uh, you know i was watching uh, when i was watching the replay of that game they were talking about the replay on that and he's like watch equinemius get lost mm-hmm. deliberately get lost which is what he did and nobody was around yeah i understand why they signed him now because that play was great but also like he he blocks 
He blocks. Uh, on the Pettis touchdown, he was the lead blocker on that play that gave Pettis the route into yep. the end zone. And he was blocking really well on a couple of other occasions, too. And part of the reason why he was so wide open on that touchdown is because it was a play action. And he sold himself like he was blocking it up, and people just lost him in coverage. Yep. So I don't know if he'll end up being a really good wide receiver, but... I definitely understand why he was somebody that Luke Getzey sought out because it seems like he's somebody that, you know, kind of like we always, like, I I always remember watching Brandon Marshall block. Say what you want about Brandon Marshall. We know what kind of guy he is, but independent of that, really, really good blocker in the run game. and I think he's an amazing player. Yeah, and so that's the kind of stuff that Brown was doing, and a lot of wide receivers don't really want to do that. They don't want to stick their nose in there, so... The fact that he's doing that, I, I definitely understand why the Bears signed him. And it, it's kind of interesting. They had him lined up in some spots where he was sort of playing as a hybrid tight end, kind of lined up near the line of scrimmage and chipping or trying to just divert a pass rusher even slightly. And the fact that he's able to do that as a wide receiver, it's going to be really interesting to see how they continue to use him in this offense because that's a, a skill set that apparently he has that I wasn't aware of. So I, I definitely liked what I saw from him, and he obviously got the touchdown, and that was a great route. Yeah, he he had as many touchdowns uh, Sunday as he did in the previous three seasons. So, <laughs> I mean, all I'm saying is that people bashed that pickup badly when it happened. For no reason. For no reason. He cost nothing, and he catches a touchdown a really good catch, uh, route run, uh, very uh, just a good play in his first game. Now, we recognize that Fields did not have a shining star of a game. Um, I don't know when the Bears will get to that. Probably not this year. But I do know he has shown the ability to think fast on his feet. And... He really had to think fast a lot on Sunday because they were in the backfield in one second. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I actually was kind of surprised at how well the offensive line did hold up. I think so, too. Like, that was my biggest fear going into the game is that I thought the offensive line could be just an unmitigated disaster. And they certainly had times when they got beat, but they were going against maybe the best front seven in the NFL. Certainly one of the best. And I actually thought they put out a pretty good effort when you considered what they were going up against. I did. Obviously, the conditions, once again, are uh, equalizer there because maybe that slowed down the pass rush a little bit. But I, I actually thought that they played better than I was even thinking that they could against that defense. And as you said, I mean, Fields helps that because when there is pressure, he's able to get out of it most of the time, especially if it's just one guy that happens to get through. But right. Um, I, I thought that, in general, the players that I was really concerned about on the line played pretty well. Uh, Braxton Jones, the starting left tackle, I mean, he got beat a couple of times. Nick Bosa got him really bad, I think, on the second sack of the yeah. game where he just kind of bull rushed him right into the quarterback. But he did. you got to remember, Braxton Jones played in college at Southern Utah, <laughs> and he played one game in college against a power five opponent and that was Arizona state. So he never has played against Which is barely power five. Yeah. So he's never played anywhere close to the level of competition as what we saw on Sunday. And so 
Did he get beat a couple of times? Yes. But trust me, we've seen just absolute terrible games by tackles in our Bears history. We saw a couple last year. Remember Lachavius Simmons out there? Oh, yeah. Guys that just don't even have a prayer. He didn't look like that. Braxton Jones... He didn't at all. I, I thought played very, very decently. And just given what he was experiencing for the first time in his life, I actually thought that was a, a really, really strong indication of what he's capable of as an NFL left tackle. So Big E for effort. Yeah, absolutely. And I and played a, played a fine game. I mean... Left tackle. When you're playing against Nick, Nick Bosa, even the best tackles are going to get beat once or twice. Yeah, so. the guy had 15 and a half sacks last year. <laughs> yeah, he was the second overall pick in the draft a couple years ago. He's just an elite pass. He rusher. is an elite pass rusher. And by the way, he's not the only person on that line. So it's not like you can throw three blockers at him because if you do that, somebody else is going to get free. So it was it, overall. I think the team performed well. They were. Uh, they they were not expected to be at this level, and I think they performed well. So my next one, um, and I loved this. I know you did too. Uh, so Jim and I were hanging out at Allery's Bar this this weekend for the game, which was which was pretty full. There was a good sized crowd there. Good turnout. Um, Dominique Robinson <laughs> pulls down two hundred and thirty pound. Tra- tra- uh, Trent Williams. Trey, uh, Lance. Oh, Trey Lance. Trey Lance. By one arm. By one arm. Uh, I mean, I really felt like that that was, uh, that was pretty amazing. Yeah, and as we talked about last week, I wasn't even really sure that he was going to be active because he's played defensive line for one year in college in the MAC. So yep. I didn't even know if he was ready to be out there on an NFL Sunday. And he's got all of the athletic traits, but just sometimes you have to get more experience even playing the position. So the fact that he was not only... I guess he didn't get that memo. Yeah, well, the fact that he was not only out there, but played, I think, 25 snaps and had a sack and a half was really, really exciting to see because maybe that means they just found a steal because that guy's got all the physical traits to just be a dominant pass rusher, so... If he's already at the point where he's getting, where he's beating, <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. And 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 it's it's not like he's playing scrubs at tackle. He's got Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey. I mean, Trent Williams is the best left tackle in the league, man. Right. McGlinchey's pretty good. So it's it's not like he was out there against scrubs. So that was their line is at least in the top ten, probably, especially a tackle. And did you hear? Did you hear uh, the scouting? Uh, revelation that he revealed about McGlinchey. Mm-mm. He basically said that he saw on tape that if he taps his feet twice, then that means it's a pass. So, again, just going back to attention to detail and football wow. smarts there. And that's for a rookie to be able to notice something like that on on an offensive tackle that's been in the league for four or five years. And that, by the way, played at Notre Dame, which is <laughs> pretty pretty good school for offensive tackles. Yeah. So, this is just a, a point that I had written down overall. I mean, I think we're just starting to get the sense here that Ryan Poles is really, really bringing in players that have high football character. Mm-hmm. You talk about Brisker, you talk about something like that, where you just obviously just see it, it being demonstrated that Robinson's got not only really, really strong football IQ, but also just awareness and ability to put in that level of film study. You really just start to like more and more the stories that you hear about the makeup of these draft picks that the Bears brought in, and hopefully that 
uh, it means that we'll have more of that going forward because trust me, the football IQ on this team for the last several years has been lacking Yeah, in a lot of places. When <laughs> you talk about Anthony Miller, or Javon Wims, or Eddie Jackson not touching a guy when he's on the ground, or any other number of stupid penalties that the Bears right. took over the last couple of years. The, the fact that it seems like they have identified players and prioritized bringing in players that have really, really strong football character, I think says a lot of really good things about the regime. I, I agree 100%. Um, it doesn't hurt with the two players that you mentioned, in particular Braxton Jones, Dominique Robinson, both of them physically are big guys. They're prototype size for their positions. Uh, I mean... Braxton Jones, 35 and 3 eighths or 5 eighths arms. Uh, you know, uh, Dominique Robinson, 6'4", almost 6'5". He, he is, he he's, looks big uh, on TV, you know, so. And he's, he's a, he could be a monster. Not to mention, uh, I think he's got some speed. So uh, <laughs> and 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 he uh he had the the second sack too which was a huge play late in the game. He only was awarded half of it. Right. He beat But he was there first. And he beat Trent Williams on it. I mean, he didn't like blow him away, but he got off his block and was able got to off. get to Trey Lance and yeah. That was a huge play because the 49ers were either in the red zone or close to the red zone and that sack, you know, basically halted their drive which Again, I mean, the Bears won by nine points, but at that point of the game, I think they were the 49ers were still winning. So keeping them out of the end zone there, I mean, it was a, it was a huge play by by the kid, and you know, I, I like I honestly wasn't expecting much out of him until the second half of the year. So the fact that he's already out there doing some of the things that we saw on Sunday, really, really encouraging. The um, the Bears by far, of course, had the most rookies uh, on the field. Uh, they have the most rookies on the 53-man roster, and it's not even remotely close. Uh, another guy I wanted to point out, just because I saw the back of him several times uh, when I was watching the game a second time, was Armand Watts, number 96. <laughs> yeah. If you, When watching the game again, you see him in the midst, uh, in the mix of things, several times and we just got the guy i mean we he was the dump off from uh from minnesota so thank you minnesota exactly and that was just uh scheme casualty same as uh kairos tonga here which by the way did you see where tonga went um i did what take a guess uh, i forget <laughs> atlanta <laughs> oh yes yes that's right somebody else did too i i mean it's the it's just um I, that team is just a joke so but i mean the bears last year ran a three four which is a better scheme fit for tonga so this year they switched to a four three tonga right. gets cut and the inverse of that happened here in Minnesota. Last year they ran a 4-3, and Watts was basically a starter for them. They switched to a 3-4 this year. He's just not an athletic fit for that scheme, so he gets cut, and the Bears picked him up. And that was actually a signing that I, I thought went a little bit under the radar just because they basically picked up a starting caliber defensive lineman for nothing on for the, nothing on, on the waiver wire yep. yeah he was he was active out there I don't know how many tackles he got necessarily but he was making plays and I, I thought showed up really nicely for being on the team for what a week I think I saw on there that he that he only had two tackles 
But the reason I mentioned him was because I just kept seeing him in the mix of things. And you, you got to love that, right? You got to love a guy that's only been on the team for, I don't know, two weeks. Uh, you know, be, you know, just being in the mix of things, right? Making his presence known. That name, that name played was on the, was on the screen several times during the game. And I mean, this is just a position where you can find guys in this defense. Think about some of the defensive tackles that Lovey had for years, whether it be like Matt Toina or just randos that can show up and contribute. So yeah, yep. I think that's going to be a nice signing for them. I think that the interior defensive line was another one of my big concerns going into this game and just in general, just because I just don't think the Bears have a lot of talent at that part of their roster. But I thought Watts did well, and if he can be a you know starting caliber NFL defensive tackle in a four three, then just another feather in the cap of Ryan Poles. It you know in general, just all the guys that we've talked about so far, like his his free agent acquisitions really contributed to that victory, and that includes Watts. Yeah. So this one is um, I actually asked you a little bit about during the game. I'm going to go back to it. Talk about David Montgomery versus Khalil Herbert. Yeah, I thought that Herbert had the better game. He definitely he he is faster, which as an NFL running back is I think uh, he has better vision, a too. cool competency. Yeah, and he just hits the hole hard. Montgomery, it just sometimes feels like he gets the ball and he's not necessarily just putting his foot in the ground and going. And I don't want to rag on Montgomery because I actually do think he's a not run- not ragging on him and, not ragging on and he's and I and I think he's a nice running back and I actually and I think he does things better than Herbert he's a better pass blocker and I, I think that as a receiver he's maybe as reliable as Herbert maybe a little more oh I, I disagree there oh really okay yeah. I mean I, I I I think Montgomery does the the other aspects of the job better, which I think is why he is the starter, but he's just not really that fast. (laughs) Yeah. Is not, is not what you want from a running back. So, and yeah, Bears fans, I'm not bashing David Montgomery. I'm super happy that he's still part of the team. If I had my druthers, we would sign him again because I think it takes more uh, than one guy. Uh, and I love the change of pace. It's truly a duel of change of pace. I look at Montgomery more as like a battering ram. Uh, I mean, you know, I think he had 17 carries and I think he averaged 2.7 per carry, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, he they, they just keep pounding him. Yeah. And he is a glutton for just wanting to you know, batter right into them, right? Um, Whereas Herbert certainly has, I think, better vision. And I also think that he has more more explosiveness when it comes to that initial burst. Uh, I thought that the Herbert touchdown at the end, I watched it like 10 times because he runs up to that line and it's a roadblock. And he immediately has the vision to bounce it out to the left on a hard cut and into the end zone. Mm -hmm. I don't see Montgomery making that play. I see Montgomery running straight into the back of those guys and 
probably getting stopped for zero yards. Yeah, I'm getting Jordan Howard vibes from Montgomery a little bit. A little bit. And that doesn't mean to say that he's a bad player because Jordan Howard's not a bad player. Jordan Howard isn't a bad player. I, I think Jordan Howard might even still be in the league. I think he might be. He was last year. Yeah. So, you know, it's just there's a ceiling on those guys and they're just not elite running backs. And you don't have to be. Like you said, I think David Montgomery is a is a really nice running back and I, I think definitely a player that you want on your team he's not going to get a huge contract no so i'd love to see the bears keep him i don't think any team's going to give him a huge contract i think he's you know got the ability to play several more years in the nfl assuming you know reasonable health for hopefully for he has an back. agent <laughs> yeah i'm sure he i'm sure he does i don't i don't know a lot of nfl running backs that are run, that are, are negotiating via an agent but, yeah um yeah i, I think herbert while you know, he's he's just got a little bit more juice to him, I guess. And I, I thought he had a really nice game. Nice game. And you need, you need more than one running back, but man, he's a fun runner to watch because he just hits it and goes. And that's, I mean, that's kind of what you want. He truly had some explosive things happen yesterday, um, and we saw these kind of things happen last year when he was in for the three games. Uh, I just I I hope uh, they continue to keep that mix going. Maybe even it up a little bit more in carries. Uh, there was quite a... I, I would be interested to know, I thought of this yesterday, how many runs in the uh, in Montgomery's career with the Bears were for one yard or less. <laughs> a lot. Because I have a feeling that percentage is very high. Or what percentage of plays he's getting hit either before or at the line of scrimmage. A lot. I mean, I'm sure there's analytics on that. and I'm sure there is. Part of it is blocking, but like you said, part of it is also vision. And there's a reason why Khalil Herbert isn't getting bottled up at the line of scrimmage every single time. There is. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to play out. I mean, just Herbert, because of his style of running, is also probably more of an injury concern, too. And you know, just running backs get hurt a lot in general. So it's going to be something to watch play out the entire year. I mean, there were a lot of fantasy football experts that said, you know, you're not going to want to draft Herbert before Montgomery, but there's a real chance that he'll be taking some of Montgomery's carries as the season goes on. And he, he certainly had a much better fantasy day yesterday than, uh, or Sunday than David Montgomery. Did. Yeah. I mean, I just like him as a player as a, another, a nice feather in the cap of Ryan Pace, because yeah. I, I think that was a nice find. Where did we draft Herbert? Uh, sixth round? Yeah, I think in the sixth round. Yeah, I mean, nice game for him. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they're not playing in the middle of a puddle. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> okay, so I one more good. point I had. Roquan crushing on Lance. <laughs> um, is, is somebody going to tell Kyle Shanahan that if his quarterback keeps running upright and taking on linebackers and defensive linemen, that he's probably not going to play seven, uh, 17 games? Because one of them, Roquan, I mean, crushed him into the ground. Yeah, it was really interesting that I, I guess, Roquan, I guess, didn't really get a uh, very positive grade out. When you look at some of the rankings, who knows? He, he's a he's a tackling guy, yeah. and he that's what he did. He made a he's lot. He's a tackling guy, and he did his tackling guy thing. He made so. a, he made a bunch of tackles on that sack that I was talking about earlier with Robinson. He was the second player to get in there and get Trey Lance down. I, I thought Roquan had a nice game. I thought he was he really really visible. Um, I, I thought, but I he think, also showed why he's not. 
the yeah. best linebacker in the NFL. Yep, exactly. And I, I think that it was a Roquan Smith game. He had, what, 10 tackles, 9, something like that? Yeah. And he was around the ball a lot. Uh, a lot of times, unfortunately, he was around the ball after the 49ers had also gained already gained positive yards. But Four first downs. As you said, that's tackling machine. That's kind of what he does. I was really interested to hear just how excited he was after the game. Sometimes when players are disgruntled about their contract, you can tell that they're not fully bought in. There's plenty of examples of that recently with the Bears and with other teams. You think about Allen Robinson. You think about... Earl Thomas, players like that. But yeah. He was emotional after the game, and he sounded really excited that the Bears had pulled that one out. And, you know, we didn't talk about this last week, but he is a team captain, as voted by his teammates. So mm-hmm. that all suggests to me that even though he's probably not very happy with how the contract negotiations were settled, that he's all in, and he's going to be out there on Sunday leading this defense and giving his full effort. Yeah, he's, he's not... Um... Playing it out like uh, like Robinson did. Um, he said, I'm dropping this. I'm not dealing with this contract stuff anymore. I'm going out and playing football. And that's what, he, that's what he did. I remember reading when he had his first practice back, he shot the gap and tackled uh, Montgomery in the backfield for like a three-yard loss, right? And the defense was just like, yeah! You know, and... That he brings that he he brings a another level of intensity. There is no question about that. Yeah. And Bears fans, we we're not trying to bash Roquan. Okay, he's a great player. It's just that I am of the opinion that they offered him a really good deal and he chose not to take it. That's for another time. But yesterday, uh, but Sunday. I saw his number quite a bit. He is a he is a tackling machine. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we stick with the defensive tackling team? fuel? <laughs> Another tackling machine <laughs> that I think we already mentioned once, but I thought Brisker had a really nice game. He made Brisker did have. A really he made nice one game. of the biggest plays of the game. Uh, I think it was towards the end of the first half where the 49ers were about to score a touchdown, and he blew up a play at the goal line. That guy is beast mode. Not knocked uh, knocked him back a couple yards. They ended up having to settle for a field goal. Um, he was really visible, and that day. one wasn't even close. He it was all him. Yeah. He just he ate that guy's lunch. He shot shot the gap and made a, a great open field tackle on Jeff. He took his milk money away. Yeah, and, and you know you just <laughs> everything that we heard about that kid just seems true. He's, oh, he's just a baller. And <laughs> he's gonna be deadly. He's gonna be a fan favorite. And after the game, I guess he was talking about how he was pretty critical of himself which you like to hear because he, you know, I think did make some mistakes too. Nothing glaring. Some humility is good. He's a rookie. It was his first game. You'd expect him to make some first, some, some, some rookie mistakes. So everything that anybody said about him was just incredibly positive when you talk about his attitude and also his ability. And I, I think we're just seeing that pay off even in his first game. So, so high marks for him. Bring that right in to the next thing because you know I had to bring it up. So I don't have to talk about Adrian Amos anymore. <laughs> because yes, we found not just a replacement, but I think a higher level player. <laughs> Adrian Amos just a uh, really rough game <laughs> along with the whole Packers segment, he, but we'll we'll get to them. We'll get to that, but uh I I got to I got to call out um Eddie Jackson. Yeah. Eddie Jackson was back. The Eddie Jackson that we want to see 
was out there. You know, one thing I'm going to point out, and people will probably think, well, that wasn't a very good play. I got to point out that he took on Samuel at the goal line. Yeah, Samuel ran him uh Sam, Samuel ran him over. But you know what? At least he put in the effort. He put his whole body into that and Samuel's just tougher. Yeah. I mean, that, it, that's just it. De- He's tougher. Debo Samuel's one of the most dynamic players in the league. He makes a lot of money for a reason. Yeah. And, but I thought I thought it was great to see Jackson right there. He no, he didn't stop him. You know what? There's a there's some linebackers that wouldn't have stopped that. Yeah, okay? there's, there's not a lot of safeties that are gonna take Debo on one on one in that situation and it, win. Exactly. But I'll tell you what, um that that pick by him, that was classic Eddie Jackson. That is who we were all cheering two years ago, right? Um and you know, it was so awesome to watch that play. I watched it several times in replay. And he was he was honed in on Lance the entire way. Yeah, he read his eyes beautifully. He trusted his instincts, and he broke on the ball. And that was a beautiful interception. And that I I, I do at think, a crucial spot. And and I just think there's a lot to what we've all assumed, which is that not having uh, a, a counterpart at safety since Amos has affected him. Yes, because Amos. You know, he say what you want about him. He was always in the right spot, and he was just a solid player yep. that that he could trust. And ever since he left, Eddie Jackson has just not been the same player. Maybe now with Brisker there and with just this new defensive coaching staff, maybe Jackson's going to be a little bit more of himself and get back to that ball hawk mentality, which is why he got paid by the Bears in the first place. And he also did make a couple of nice tackles as well. He did. In the run game. I, I, he just had a really, really nice game. And if, if he's back, it changes the entire complexion of the defense because he can be a game changer when he's on. And I hope that we get more from him of what we saw on Sunday. He had a really nice game. That defense was fired up. Yeah. I, I want to shout out to them big time for the grit that they showed. Um, you know, a, a lot of times, in certainly in the last 10 years with the Bears, we've seen the defense get, quote-unquote, tired. Um, that that There was none of that. Yeah. I didn't see any lagging. I didn't see any... Uh, half-ass. I I saw a, a team that knew that they were pay, playing a really quality opponent, and saw them get punched in the face several times and keep coming back and throw some jabs of their own. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when Matt Eberflus came in, he said, "We're going to be in the best shape of any team in the league." And when you're in really good shape, like when you're tired, that just increases the chance that you're going to make mistakes physically too. When when you're in better shape than the opponent, which also, by the way, and, and I'm not the first one that said this, this isn't a revolutionary idea by me, but you definitely see the difference between some of the teams that just took the preseason off versus the teams that had their players out there a little bit. Yep. That's not just necessarily even a comment on the Bears and 49ers game, but the Bears in general, yeah. The, the Bears did not take camp off. They didn't take it easy on their players. They had their starters out there playing at a hundred percent effort during the preseason, and I think you saw some of the benefits of that because, as you said, all the way through the final whistle, that team was out there flying around. They were hustling, 
And you didn't see some of the just dumb, lackadaisical mistakes that we've seen under prior regimes. So that applies to Eddie Jackson, too, because obviously that's been one of the players over the past three years that has been under the that's been kind of under the spotlight for lack of hustle lack of concentration so and last year was the worst yeah we didn't see anything like that um i mean the other rookie kylo gordon i I thought he was okay i I, he got burned a couple times i mean he's a rookie too he's a rookie but he, uh, he was right there though uh i mean he wasn't he didn't seem lost uh but yeah he did he did get beat some Hey, that's going to happen. As long as I see the player making effort, I'm I'm not going to have a a, a conniption because a a rookie uh, didn't didn't make the right play. But um, just overall, the attitude of the defense was, um, yeah, we got a chip on our shoulder. Come knock it off. Yeah, exactly. Anybody else you want to mention on on the defense? I I think that about covered. I guess Quinn, maybe. A lot of people... Said he was a little bit absent. I mean, he was going up against an elite left tackle. Uh, you know, though, um, he still looked pretty fired yeah. up to be playing with them boys. And I was listening to Manley today, and he said that the 49ers had to help Trent Williams a lot when he was blocking Quinn. So I I certainly think that he's still going to be a nice player, even though he didn't necessarily get a sack. I, well, I got When I got done watching the replay yesterday, I was like, man, I'm glad that guy stayed with us. <laughs> Another team captain voted by his teammates, obviously has a lot of respect in the locker room. Uh, circling back to offense a little bit, um, I thought Tevin Jenkins actually played well. Yeah. Um, they were kind of rotating him in with Patrick, which that was odd. is a little bizarre. I, I hope that doesn't continue. I don't know if maybe the thought process there is just because Patrick didn't get to play at all in the preseason. Maybe you get him some action without having to put him at center because he's got an injured hand. I, I don't know, but... Um, I, I heard today that Tevin Jenkins graded out as a top 10 guard in week one. Wow. So that is pretty impressive for somebody that's never played guard before. You already keyed on it once. Um, the offensive line played pretty well. Considering what they were playing against, I thought they played pretty well. Were they, you know, top 10? No. That's not what I was looking for. I was just looking for some cohesion. I was looking for some spirit and some effort. And I saw all of those things. The fact that um, at no point, in my opinion, did uh, Fields get crushed like we have seen happen so many times before to our quarterbacks. Just that, just that tiny thing made difference to me. I think so too. And it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening when Patrick is healthy again. I don't know if the plan would be to plug him back in at center. I don't know if they're going to put him at guard and bench Jenkins. I don't know. I mean, somebody, these problems have a way of working themselves out, too, obviously. People, and I think it will. Yeah. And, um, so just, just something to keep in mind there. Um, only other two players to highlight on the offense were Mooney, because he was pretty quiet. I don't necessarily think that was unexpected. Cole Komet, I don't know where he was. So the way I look at it for both of those players is I feel like probably uh, the defense... San Francisco's defense was probably keen on those two players. The reason I say that is because if I was the defensive coordinator for San Francisco, I would have definitely noted that really the only two guys that caught anything last year were those two guys. 
and the two players that he's really worked intensely with over the offseason yeah. is those two guys. <laughs> yeah, if, if we saw those headlines, you know, everybody in the NFL did too. Right. I mean, it, it, we were we kid, but there is some real legit argument to Dante Pettis and Equinemius St. Brown were not exactly feared going into that game. Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure that just like the rest of the NFL, they were like, yeah, we don't got to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. So, and again, and I keep bringing it up, but just with the, condi- that whole game was weird with the rain. It was. So we, and, we don't know how that affected the game plan. You know, you, you, you already said it. Um, it's, we don't need to have an overreaction. We know who the Bears are, but at the same time, you also got to give up. I, I, the way I looked at it, Chicago played over their ability. San Francisco played under their ability. Yeah. But when it comes right down to it, San Francisco needed that win. Chicago was just playing for guts, and they came out on top. Absolutely. And before we move on to next week, um, just the last shout-out I guess I want to give is I just thought the coaching staff had just a really nice day. I mean, if you, if you think about the talent deficiency plus just the conditions, under Matt Nagy, that thing would have been lost. <laughs> it would have been a total disaster. The, the, the Bears would have lost that game before they even walked out of the tunnel. It could have easily been a complete disaster yesterday. And the first half of the game was bad, but it wasn't incompetent. It wasn't players running around looking like they have no idea where they're supposed to be. It wasn't nobody being able to get a play in on time. and Everybody's kind of looking at each other, trying to figure out what's supposed to be happening. Right. It was a, a poor offensive execution. Part of that's just because they're playing a much better team. But it, Not it, to mention the entire team is brand new. Yeah, it, it wasn't a complete clown show like we've seen so many times before. And as we talked about last week, you don't want to overreact to the first performance. We've had positive things to say about plenty of Bears coaches when they start here, but... I just thought that the level of discipline, the level of professionalism that the team showed, and just looking like they had some sort of idea what they were supposed to be doing out there on pretty much every single play. I mean, did the Bears have a single pre-snap penalty? I don't think so. Um, Which, you know, they only averaged four penalties per game during the preseason. They had no pre-snap penalties during the preseason. I, I, you know, if you're a San Francisco fan and you're pissed about how many flags got thrown on them, go back and watch the game. They were deserved. Uh, they they were completely discombobulated the whole game. There was a lot of un, uh, very poor discipline going on, um, which I'm sure that you know the coaching staff at, at the end of that game was like, what the, what was that, guys? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean. You know what causes pre-snap penalties, too? When you don't know what play you're supposed to be running because Matt Nagy's pulling it out of a 5,000-page playbook. Yeah. I think the Bears are really, really committed to just keeping it simple. They know that they're not as talented as these other teams. So, you know, they're not going to try to reinvent the wheel with it. And I I think that it could have very, very easily been that the Bears were just overmatched physically against the 49ers, and that's just causing them to be out there false starting and jumping off sides. And we've seen it all before. So the fact that we didn't see any of that in week one, even when you add in the terrible weather as an additional consideration, I just think just speaks really, really highly. Hey, uh, guess what, football teams? You're going to have to play in shitty weather and even shittier weather than that. So if, if that was a problem... You better fix it. Yeah, and I just think it speaks really highly to the level of preparation that was done and also just the 
fact that this coaching staff so far at least seems just very very competent I mean there wasn't a single time where you and I were looking at each other on Sunday like what the hell was that <laughs> other than maybe right. other than maybe the possible exception of the first drive <laughs> the first drive was bad the, it, if that's what you were scheming up all week then reevaluate that but right a- after that I, I thought that it was just a, a game plan that made a lot of sense and I, I thought that the coaching staff just in general, no red flag so far. When you, and boy, when you compare some of the other coachings, yeah, the new oh man, I oh Nathaniel Hackett last night. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, just you know, the the thing is, is that and it, it, it was as you were saying, all over the league, there were several games that were just like, mm-hmm. wow, what a total shit show. Lovey Smith playing for a tie. Uh, <laughs> what what uh, was that? A, a team that's supposed to win like four games. It's like. All right, well, we're not going to try. Like, just what difference does it make? Play for the win, dude. Yeah. Nathan- I heard, I've heard speculation today that maybe Nathaniel Hackett already got himself fired. Wow. Like, he's not going to get fired today, but he, you got to remember, he is coaching for a team that just changed owners. The, the new owners of the team did not hire him, and <laughs> they're not going to have a problem cutting a check to get him out of there if they think he's just an idiot. Like, my God. So the fact that, I mean, it would be... I can't even think of anything Matt Eberflus could do this year to be a worse decision than what Nathaniel Hackett did last night. Absolutely. But anyway, we're not. We're, we don't need to go too much into that. He's an idiot. Let's all laugh at him. So um, I, I'm, each week we're going to do just a little blurb on this. I, I'm calling it the Power Rankings pile, and I love the Power Rankings. I read. I've read them for years and years and years. And to me, the best Power Rankings. Uh, bar none is ESPNs. Simply, uh, they have the most people that work on it. Most of the power rankings, if you go out and look, you'll notice that most of them are done by one one writer. Uh, theirs is actually done by uh, a group, and uh, each beat writer for each team uh, makes comments on the, each week. And this uh, is updated after week one. Yeah. Can so I, can yeah. I, this can is, I guess where the Bears are? Well, I guess where well, do you know where they were before the first game? Yeah. Uh, before the first game, I guess thirtieth. Uh, I think they were thirtieth. Okay. Yes. Um, so a week. So a week. Um, so no, the preseason ranking. Um, so go ahead and guess preseason or after week? right now. I would guess right now. Just trying to think off the top of my head, like who would be like who is a total disaster in week one. I, I'm, I'm just gonna guess twenty eighth. So that's pretty close. Twenty five. Um, wow. Their preseason ranking last week was 25. So they didn't move up or move down. I kind of was eyeballing that sideways. I'm like, wait a second. Uh, now, I didn't expect a huge jump, but I thought we'd at least move up a couple of spots because we did win. Uh, you, you, you still have to win. Who, who um, are they ahead of? You had to be ahead of the Jets. So they're uh, in front of the Cowboys, oh, yeah. the Lions, <laughs> the Panthers. The Falcons, the Texans, the Jaguars, and the Jets. Uh, I I don't understand how the, Fal- the Falcons are ranked at 29, uh, considering how absolutely pitiful that team is. They, but, almost, they almost won yesterday. Uh, yeah, they, they, I mean, they, almost. Uh, of course, there is not an almost column here. But uh, So, <laughs> so um, this week... They wanted you to pick out, uh, they they had each uh, beat writer pick out a rookie who st- stood out. And this week, uh, Courtney Cronin, who is the beat writer for ESPN for the Chicago Bears. She moved uh, to the Bears from the Purple Idiots. Uh, she picked out Dominique Robinson. All right. 
Bears got consistency they hoped they would show up from their high-ceiling fifth-rounder, who began playing defensive end only two years ago after moving over from wide receiver. What? Uh, Robinson logged uh, a sack and a half, two quarterback hits, one tackle for loss, and seven tackles. Large, second largest output by any Chicago defender uh, in the in the game, and he only did it in, as you mentioned, twenty eight of the sixty eight snaps. Pretty good. So that's that's pretty outstanding. I don't think we could have hoped for more from that player. No. Uh, I like I said, I I, uh, I have to go boo uh, to the power rankings this week. I think we definitely should have moved up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just who are like the next like five teams ahead of the Bears? So like, in front of the Bears they, uh, at got, uh, 24 is the Giants. Um, I'm not sure how that works out, but they did win. Uh, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Patriots, and at number 20 is the Commanders. So what a couple of no, a couple of things of interest. Um, so reaction, not an overreaction. Uh, there's a little bit of that. So at number one is the Bills. Um, and I wanted to point out, uh, the Rams only dropped from three to five after getting absolutely destroyed on national television. Uh, the Bengals only went from five to seven after absolutely getting destroyed. And the Packers only fell from six to eight. After getting absolutely destroyed, so um, somehow three teams with one, uh, with uh, a first week loss uh, still stayed in the top ten. So you know the point rankings are subjective, but uh, <laughs> well, this actually ties in nicely. Can I give my Bears hot take here? I, I I mean I think that win yesterday. I think that they're at least going to be like in playoff contention at least through their bye, which is week thirteen and. Trust me, I'm not saying that I think the Bears are a playoff team. Like, I am not saying that. But I just want to read off the next, call it seven games that the Bears have. So, at Packers versus Texans, at Giants, at Vikings, Commanders, at Patriots, at Cowboys. Like, that's not There's really some that, winnable games Especially in there. when you talk about the Cowboys. I mean, without Dak and with Mike McCarthy, I mean, they could be 0-8 going into that game. And that thing could be completely off the rails by then. But Absolutely. Even if the Bears go... Two and five, like it, the NFC right now is just not any good. There's not very many good teams in the NFC. I mean, everybody's assuming. Obviously, we know like the Bucks are good. I think we know the Vikings and Eagles are probably good. We all assume the Rams, the 49ers, the Packers are going to be good, even though all of them looked terrible in Week One. But like, who else is there that's competing for that last wild card spot? Yeah, I mean, the Saints. I mean, they almost lost to the Falcons. The Cardinals looked horrible. The Lions stink. The Cowboys, I just talked about them. Their season's over without Prescott. The Giants stink. Washington, they needed... I mean, they, they should have lost to Jacksonville. They stink. Uh, there's going to be an 8-9 and nine team that probably gets into the playoffs this year. Probably. And, you know, if the Bears just... I mean, they already got one win that they weren't supposed to get. If they beat some of those other winnable teams and maybe they get some good injury luck and they're hovering around 500, they're going to be in the proverbial hunt. Oh, they're they're going to uh, be in that Fox graphic that always goes up with the teams that are in the hunt. <laughs> so, and I and I have to stick in there, Jim. Um, uh, so, with our little bet, um, we only have uh, six. Yeah. We only have six yeah, to go now. That's true. I didn't even so, think about that. We one down, six to go. Yeah, and we—that's a win that absolutely nobody would have had in the win <laughs> column. So, again, like I don't know how predictive it is. I mean, the Bears could 
end the year three and fourteen still, and I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. Absolutely, but you know, hey, a win's a win. All you can do is week one. Um, I did say, and I still, and I, I said it before the season, and I still believe it. The Bears are going to win some games that they shouldn't win. Yeah. They're probably going to lose some games that they should win. Right. But this team, uh, week one, fun to watch. Yeah. And I think they're going to be fun to watch all year. Unless all of their exciting players get hurt. I, I think that there's going to be something to get us excited pretty much each and every week. Even if the team does struggle and there are several games under 500. I just think that there's enough young players on this roster that are worth watching that I think that it's just going to be a much more pleasant experience than it has been over the last, you know, 10 years. I literally jumped out of my seat when Dominique Robinson made that. That was great. Um, Okay, so we're getting towards the end of this. It's it's amazing. It's Packers week, and we've spent 55 minutes not even talking about (laughs) the fact that... And by the way, man, you just just hate to see the Packers struggle like they did. I mean, you just... It's just... It's just... Yeah. Cry two tears in a bucket. It's yeah, just it, hard. Was, it was awful. It, it's hard to watch them just completely get blown <laughs> up on, on the defense. And, and then, man, just Aaron Rodgers just looking miserable out there. He looked like he was so sad. You just, you just hate to see that. But anyway, the, the Bears are, last I looked, which was this morning, but they were, I think, nine and a half point underdogs going yeah, into Lambeau. Yeah, I saw them as ten. I mean, the Packers looked awful in week one. Their receivers are... They're, they're just. I not, know they talk about how bad ours are. Yeah, they're just not ready to go, and they got smoked by the Vikings. I know they got smoked Week One last year, but that was a little bit of a weird spot, and they still had Devontae Adams. And remember, that they, was a. I think that game was a lot different than this one. Remember, they were also playing last year in kind of they were playing on a neutral site because they were supposed to play in New Orleans, and there was a hurricane, so they had to go play in Jacksonville. And Aaron Rodgers showed up at the very end of camp. Nobody knew if he was going to play. This year, I mean, this was week one against your division rival. And they just, I mean, I talked to a lot of Vikings fans, and they were all just like, the game was kind of boring. Like, the Packers just didn't even show up. Yeah. Like, week one on the road against the team that you're fighting most likely for the division title and just a complete no-show. Yeah, and you're already at minus one. Yeah, and Lambeau's historically been a terrible spot for the Bears. It and and against him, and, and, you know he he has the his very all of his records are against us. Yeah, and it, it wouldn't shock me if the Packers blow the Bears out, but I'm also not picking the Packers in my survivor pool. Like last last week, I kind of had a good feeling what was going to happen in the game, and that kind of got turned on its on its side a little bit because of the weather, but. I wouldn't be at all shocked if the Bears go up to Lambeau and win just because the Packers' offense looked broken. I I, I would. It, this game is to me is going to be hard to uh, uh, hard to predict. Uh, the one thing I felt strongly about that I feel strongly about is that I don't see us losing by ten. I, I don't think that that happens. And to be to be blunt, I was kind of shocked to see that we were double double digit underdogs. Um, I, I I felt like uh, if nothing else, Chicago certainly looked. Uh, they're just in general as a team looked a hell of a lot better than than Green Bay did. And and people, a lot of the blame for that game is going on the Packers wide receivers. Rodgers didn't look great either. No, he didn't. <laughs> he was he was missing throws. Two receivers that he should be on the same page with, guys like Aaron Jones and Randall Cobb, guys that have been there. His receivers struggled absolutely, but it's not all on the rookie wide receivers. Rodgers didn't look ready to go either. 
And that defense, a lot of people thought that defense was going to be one of the best defenses in the league. Sure didn't look like it. They looked awful. I mean, they're letting Justin Jefferson run free. And I understand Justin Jefferson's a really good player. I bet him to win Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah. I mean, I think he has a legitimate shot at MVP. Yeah, I mean, they were just completely busted coverages in that game. And that's from a Green Bay defensive unit that a lot of people thought was going to be really, really strong. And they might still be. This is an opportunity for them to get healthy. It'll be their home opener. The Bears have always struggled in Lambeau. Yeah. Fields, you know, he's susceptible, you know, he's susceptible to getting rattled still. So One thing I do want to point out, though, is um, I'm wondering how much of Rodgers' piss-poor attitude is finally coming to bite him in the butt. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that, um, you know, say what you want about Chicago's win— you can't take from them kids the effort that they put in yeah. and the attitude that they had. You can't take it from them. But the effort and attitude of the Packers against the Vikings was a joke. Mm-hmm. And Rodgers, I mean, you, you think that the rookie wide receivers that they're going to need if they're going to be successful, you think that they're not discouraged by the fact that the Hall of Fame quarterbacks are already angry at him? And He's been shred- I mean, it's been in the news. He's the- been shredding them all, yeah. all camp. I mean, think about just how think about how many times Cutler or Cam Newton or any other quarterback has just gotten absolutely blasted in, in the, the media for terrible body language. Yeah, like how would you evaluate Aaron Rodgers' body language <laughs> on Sunday? Like he's. He, I mean, and, and, trust me, being a great quarterback, people accept that you're a jerk. I mean, Rodgers is. Case in point right. for that. But, you know, he's also in a position that he hasn't been in before, which is that he's relying on a lot of really, really inexperienced players to be a part of a championship offense. And by the way, buddy, like nobody forced you to take up 30% of your team's salary cap. That's right. You didn't need you didn't need to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. You could have taken a bit of a discount if you wanted better wide receivers there. So you've kind of made your bet on this one and you know, the Packers have struggled before. We talked about last year. They've gotten off to slow starts before. But, man, it would just be great if they sucked. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, just... you know, the, and, you know, he doesn't... There's no team that he loves to torture more than us. Yep. Um, but uh, all we can do is uh, hope that the guys come out uh, with, the, with the right attitude, which I think they will. I think that they're going to come out and play some disciplined football. And I think they're going to come out and be like, you know what? Uh, you think you're going to run right over us, but we're going to bite off a piece in the meantime. Yeah, I don't think this team, this Bears team, is going to be intimidated by anybody. No. And, shoot, there's no reason to be intimidated by that Packers team we saw on Sunday. Right. I'll tell you what, you know Eberflus is going to have them fired up and ready to go. And, by the way, if the Bears can go up there and, and somehow pull off a victory, which I don't think is out of the question. I don't think it's likely. I don't think so but, either. I mean, there's a couple of games on the calendar this week where I'm like, there's just no way that the underdog is going to win. This is not one of them. The Bears, if they protect the ball and if they are able to potentially just pull together some defensive schemes to confuse those wide receivers, or if the Packers wide receivers just keep dropping the ball, they can win this game. And if they do that and the Packers are 0-2 and 0-2 in the division, like their season's not over, but that's putting them way behind the eight ball. And if uh, another another uh, key point, I think is I felt like our defense did a good job. Um, we we didn't mention this, and this is worth mentioning. 
they did not blitz one time yeah. against San Francisco. Um, that is, Bears fans, that's incredibly rare. Uh, not just for our team, but in the NFL in general. Uh, they, on, they only rushed four for the entire game. Didn't know that until I read it after the game. Um, if they're able to generate the kind of pressure they did against San Francisco, who has a very good offensive line, against the Packers and get in his mug, get in, get right in 12's face, he hates that. Well, and especially, That always throws him off. Especially because a surefire way to get absolutely torched by Aaron Rodgers is to blitz him. Yeah. If, if you're blitzing him, then good luck because you are going to... He you, loves it. Yeah. You, you, you are going to be letting receivers run open all game long. So the fact that they're able to get pressure with four is really encouraging and... It's something to really keep an eye on, uh, on on Sunday because I think the Packers, I think both their offensive tackles are out. I don't think Bakhtiari didn't play. Right? No, and he I can't, didn't. I can't and remember. I don't think he's playing again this week and, either. And I can't remember the name of their right tackle, but I think he's out too. So if they can get in his face with just four and they have strong discipline with the players that are dropping back into coverage, there's... No saying that the Bears have to let Rodgers walk down the field on him every time. And, you know, it's just going to be a, a matchup that I'm a lot more excited for than I probably would have thought. Because when the schedule came out, I'm like, uh, San Francisco week one, that's a loss. Green Bay week two, that's a loss. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily feel that way, which probably means the Bears are going to get crushed. But, <laughs> you know, hey, it, it, I'm, I'm a lot more excited for the game than I was even two weeks ago, which is absolutely you know, no small feat. And, you know, I mean, it's it's a big game. It call, is. Call it what you want. I mean, the Bears are 1-0. And well, and, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that it's always important to remember every single year. Every game counts, right? And this isn't college. We're strength of schedule. I, I really don't buy into that for the pros. Anybody can win any weekend. So, you know, uh, don't don't count us out of this. And, and the Packers don't have it going yet. I mean, remember, it's not last year. And, I you know, obviously last year doesn't mean that's any predictor of what's going to happen this year. But last year in week two, the Lions almost walked into Lambeau and beat the Packers. That's true. The Bears this year are better than the Lions were last year. I think so. <laughs> the Lions last And the Packers are worse this year than they were last year. Jared Goff sucks. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, he, had really, he had a good game on Sunday. <laughs> they, they, they lost. Uh, so uh, thanks again, Bears fans. And we'll uh, catch you next week. Bear yeah, down. Thanks for listening.